0: Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and today I am talking to Robbie Collins. This episode is a breath of fresh air for you, recorded as it was before the pandemic hit, so there will be no pandemic chat on the episode itself and I will try to keep any reference to it besides this sentence to a bare minimum. We're going to start before we get into talking to Robbie, who is just a phenomenal comedian. I was completely blown away by him uh, when I saw his work in The Danger Zone at the recent Cape Town Comedy Festival. Robbie was born in Durban, based in South Africa. He's supported Trevor Noah for seven years. He's been around the world with him. He's open for Dave Chappelle. And we get into some of the lessons he learned from those experiences uh, in the Insiders Club. 25 minutes of extras available to anyone that signs up at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders. But we will be talking a lot to Robbie about uh, depression, about life, about writing, about uh, relearning how to socialise with people outside of the industry. That's a thing that we should probably talk about rather more often than we do. Uh, And we're going to talk about do you remember the Ivan Aristigator episode? Wonderful Ivan uh, from Venezuela, based in Melbourne now, uh, and his incredible approach to translating the routines of the greats from English into Spanish in order that he understand them from the inside. Well, Robbie has a similar but very different uh, narrative about his youth as a mega comedy fan renting and re-renting DVDs in order to watch them back to front and really understand how it all works. So uh, he's taken that obsession and has yet managed to turn it into an incredible incredibly laid-back approach to his art. We will be talking a little bit about how he lets an audience come to him, and he he really is a master at doing that. All of that coming up, I'm very quickly going to read out um, the names of the people who have been kind enough to jump on board the podcast recently. Um, I I just want to give a special mention to Jose Viscanio and Sarah Nock, who both gifted subscriptions, uh, and a man called John, whose surname I don't know if I should give you or not, who gifted two business lunches. More detail on them later, um, but uh, thank you to everyone who's been doing those uh, those working lunches with me, and particular thanks to Jose, to Sarah, and to John for their generosity in gifting subscriptions or other ComCom ephemera to other people, which is, is just such a lovely thing that you can do. Remember, you can join the Insiders Club at any donation from £2 a month to above, and we will, I think by middle of this month, we will have a proper uh, gifting thing set up. Uh, At the moment, all you need to do, if you're already a subscriber, is go to there, open another subscription and send me an email uh, saying that you would like it to be gifted to someone else. And I'll do that and set up a code for them. So that is that. Oh, and I want to thank Russell Hartup as well, who upped his subscription very kindly. New subscribers uh, in the last week since we last spoke include Danny McBride, Alice Birdwood, Ross Drummond, Karen Martin Bond. Uh, Alan Wood, Neil Turner and Susie Lewis. So hello and thank you to all of you. Let's get into this episode with the fantastic Robbie Collins. So tell me about you. You're from Durban. Right. You grew up in Durban. You were born there?
1: Um, yeah, born in bred.
0: Okay. I don't know anything about Durban. How's Durban different to Cape Town? Is different to Johannesburg?
1: Durban's very different in so many ways. Like, Durban, Durban has the highest population of Indian people outside of India. Okay. So Indian people... I don't know if you had a bunny chow yet.
0: No, people keep saying bunny chow to me. I don't know what it is. Get a bunny chow. Okay. It's, it's
1: just like this curry... Put in bread I told Finn about it it. He showed me a picture It's half a loaf
0: of bread Scooped out and full of curry
1: Yeah It's it's genius It's like That's a very big thing Like Durban's famous for Bunny chows Okay Because it's an Indian slave uh, Thing It's not Actually Indian Traditional Indian food From India Okay So Yeah so Durban There's a lot of Indian people um, That I think You don't have anywhere else In the country Okay And It's it's the East Coast, so it's very warm, humid. The beach is amazing. You can swim in the beach throughout the year. Okay. Um, if you talk comedy, non-existence in the sense that there's really funny comedians there, but you'll get like one weekly gig.
0: Okay. Like like you'll get a one weekly gig, or there is only one weekly gig.
1: Right now, as far as I know, there's one weekly gig.
0: Jeez.
1: Like sometimes you'll get like end of the month you'll get like maybe four.
0: Okay
1: but otherwise... It's like, and
0: that's presu- that's now, and you started 11, like 12 years ago. Yeah. So nothing. More.
1: Back then it was horrible. Like, it, back then, if you died on stage, I remember my first death on stage, because my first 10 shows were really good.
0: 10? 10, ten it, is a good number. You're like, <laughs> on this podcast, being like, my first three, I killed. And then there's the one waiting for you, where, yeah, yeah. like, you've been just gliding along with your tiptoes going, well, apparently this comes easily to me, yes. and it's waiting to smash you. That, that shit was the scariest, like, my... My tenth was just like,
1: you know when you bomb and also it's the first time that it's happening to me. So I'm like, this is the worst shit ever. I did like I think I did ten minutes of material in two minutes. It was just like you know, you're getting thirsty, tired, you start thinking Clicky about keep Mouth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like <laughs> start thinking about all the things you could have studied. You like this is the worst shit ever. And I remember my mom saying what is wrong, like, where she wanted my uncle come to, to come and speak to me because, like, you look very depressed. And I didn't know how to explain it to her because I didn't know what was happening. But at the same time, you didn't, you didn't have a gig the next day to make yourself feel better. You couldn't get back on the horse. Yeah. There's no horse. You can't rush to another gig. There's no gig for the rest of the week. So, like, for two weeks, you're just sitting around, depressed, rehearsing your sets in the mirror... Like, trying to figure out, fuck, like, wh- how did I die? Back to
0: the recording of when it worked. All, all <laughs> of those things.
1: So it's just like, that I remember just finding it extremely difficult. Like, wanting to grow but not being able to grow.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's the frustrating part where it's like, for me, the for, for my first stand-up gig, I was like, I quit my job everything. I was like, I'm doing this shit. Properly. what was
0: your job was it a career job or was the a
1: job oh no it was just a horrible like I did uh, paper routes I was an office clerk and you did one gig and quit your day job what before the gig I was like I'm out <laughs> before the gig I was like I'm out <laughs> I was like I'm gone guys I'm doing stand-up comedy I'll see you guys
0: but you were an actor so you would. this was like a fill-in job yeah, while yeah. you were being an actor yeah yeah okay okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. so you, you weren't like I now have no means of making money at all no 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 okay were you a successful actor at that time I did like two
1: su- successful plays um, But I, I didn't I didn't really like it though I found I found uh, In South Africa At the time There were a lot of plays That were all like struggle plays Sure As in plays that like Had a an apartheid story to it And like the, It was cool But a lot of it was like musicals I can't sing I can't dance So I just found it Very difficult To actually get acting work Okay. But I got acting work, but it was just like. I just. The, I didn't like the narrative of a lot of the plays that were out there or the plays that were offered to me. So when stand up came, it was just like, okay, cool. This is dope. I can just say what I want on stage. I can do. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. can feel it out for myself. But otherwise, before that, relying on. I feel like relying on scripts. I don't know if you feel it now. Have you done any acting? Yes. Where you. When you go from the stage to like a play or television or whatever, because you are now a creative going into something, you look at it differently. Totally. Like the script. Yeah, I, can't, like,
0: I just thought, I just imagined it then and I sort of shuddered a bit. I was like, "What? Well, I'd have to like put on a, like, put on a coat yeah. of someone else's stuff. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like be surrounded by someone else's stuff. It's and you, re- you read the script and go, people don't talk like that. Yeah,
1: this this shit is written by this shit is written by somebody who's stuck in the hotel or who's stuck in the house, just yeah. writing out writing scripts, but not actually seeing or feeling what people are feeling. Like I think that's the beauty in comedy is even if you don't know your audience, the the response from an audience that agrees with you on something is like, it's the best feeling. When it's not even so much the laugh when they go. Oh shit, yeah I'm down with that Like when I do my rhino joke I don't know if you've seen it uh,
0: Remind me which is the rhino one
1: The rhino joke just about like how people care about rhinos more than people
0: Yes, yeah, yeah
1: And like I can see it gets quiet And then when I do the punchline There's a release of like Like yeah And that for me is so exciting To say something that see, it's seen as controversial But the right people get what you're saying Yes you know yes, I mean? and
0: that's typify that's your set all over, you know, your stuff about turtles. Like you've got that lovely video talking <laughs> about turtles. Help me, help you, bro. Like that, <laughs> I don't want to put the bit, but like w we'll get onto that. I wanna get onto the material. Okay, Just cool. while we're starting with your 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 starting comedy. What kind of childhood did you have? Um, like I say, um
1: five these five siblings, five of us. Okay. Mom, dad, um, very religious home. mm
0: mm-hmm.
1: Um but very religious home, but at the same time also very lenient. You know what I mean? It was. I don't think. I don't think we were really um, forced into anything. Like do, to do anything. I think one of the only things you had to do as a kid was go to church on a Sunday. Okay. But apart from that, you. So were,
0: religious, but not strict. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah. It, there was there was definitely discipline, but it was it wasn't like your biggest responsibility. You had was to make sure you went to church every sunday with the family after that it was fine what you watched you know what i mean you could watch whatever you could watch tv shows that had swearing or whatever it wasn't like like a dictatorship um and i think then at age 11 my parents split up um and i started i stayed with my mom and then um I didn't actually tell tell you this. I actually have dyslexia. Okay. So my mom's a teacher. So reading was very difficult. And my mom figured out it's not so much that I can't read. It's that the books that they're giving me to read aren't aren't things that I'm enthusiastic about. Okay. So she went out of her way and she got me like Jim Carrey books Robin Williams, ah. uh Eric Cantonar. Okay. Like people I look up to. Okay. And I remember reading in Robin Williams' book when he talks about doing stand-up and like becoming a comedian. And that's when I literally remember going, Oh, there's stand-up comedy.
0: Okay.
1: And then at the around the same time, Def Jam tapes CD sort start being passed around like the neighborhood. Yeah. And then I uh, remember seeing that shit like, oh, what the
0: fuck? Like, More so than the people around you? More so than your peers? You were, you were you like the guy, were you known as like, he's the guy who's really into comedy? No, I was just known as the funny
1: guy, not like okay. this comedian or whatever. Um, but then like, a couple of people would say like, oh, you should, be, you should do stand-up or you should be a comedian. But I never really understood comedian. It just sound like oh this sounds like a cool thing. This sounds like a promotion to just being funny.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. I didn't yeah. And so you were a funny kid. In in what way were you funny? Were you funny like knocking authority? Were you funny at like roasting your friends? What kind of funny was
1: it? Roasting friends mostly. Okay. Yeah. We didn't even realize, like growing up, that you were actually doing a form of comedy. Yeah, yeah, right. You just like let's see, whose whose turn is it to be insulted today? Like, okay. you know what I mean? Like, just tease a person. And I remember getting in trouble for just teasing people in class, but I just thought that was so funny. Like, were you, was it benevolent? Were you bullying anyone ever? Do you think? Or? Oh no, I don't. I don't think so because I was also bullied. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so it was like, uh, I just thought I was being, I was being funny. You know what I mean? And, like, the rest of the class would laugh. Um, But I think that was, like, the foundation to doing comedy. And then after figuring out, okay, shit, I want to do stand-up comedy, like, around 13, then I went out and just bought every bit of stand-up I could.
0: I love meeting a student. (laughs) I love it. Some people people wouldn't dream of doing that. Some people, it's like, obviously, I'm just going to hoover up everything. Yeah, like, everything. Like, my mom and sister's,
1: have watched every bit of stand-up eh? Like they, like my mom can tell you about Bill Hicks.
0: That's so great. Just That's from so like great.
1: being at, like being there, like watching Bill Hicks documentaries. He's is quite, that
0: just because she was in the same room as you when you were watching? Yeah. Or is it to do with like she was good? What you say about like her getting you Robin Williams's book? To right. Get, did, she, did she? Do you think she felt kind of like as that? Like a kind of long-term teaching kind of ownership? Like he's into a thing, and I'm supporting it. Or was she just like laughing along
1: with you? I think I think she started seeing how serious it was. Um, I think when I was around maybe seventeen, eighteen. Before it was it's okay, there's stand up on. Rob likes stand up. But then she started seeing, oh shit, okay. He he wants to do this thing. And then started like started writing down jokes. Cause I only touched the stage at twenty one. But like from seventeen I was already Okay, I'm saying ah, this joke.
0: Okay, like just okay.
1: writing out stuff. What
0: was your first joke you remember writing?
1: Oh shit, I can't remember. Do you, was it was it? Do you remember
0: if it was like an observation or a joke joke, like a one liner? It was joke a
1: joke? it was a joke joke, and it also depending on who I was watching. Okay. So like if if I was watching Bill Hicks then I was like fuck, this. <laughs> but not realizing what he was doing. Now now when I look back at it, you go there's art behind his his attitude and his aggression on stage Um, then I wasn't quite figuring out what he was doing sure
0: and then you you watch just like he's this cool rebel
1: yeah 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 Yeah, Sure. it's like if you watch Kinison you just go this person is angry yeah
0: yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) I (laughs) understand this it's an angry man (laughs) yes so like
1: so I remember watching like the um, Def Jam was very big and then Kings of Comedy was very big and then Seinfeld's. um started watching Seinfeld because a cousin of mine had Seinfeld um, box set and he was like this is about a comedian but obviously the show isn't really about stand-up it's just showing how you can take life into stand-up if you watch it closely yes so then I started picking up on that yes and just watching watching the show more for just his intro and outro yeah you know that little stand-up bit he does yeah 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 so watching it just for that okay so I was trying to like just trying to get something out of it. And then then I had a period where I watched Whoopi Goldberg a hell of a lot. Like her Broadway shows. And I thought like her characters are amazing. Um and then my brother, this is where everything just goes pfft. My brother goes to the States to study in Boston. It's 2003. And at the time, Chappelle's show comes out. Okay. And he just thought, like, every time he calls home, he's like, dude, you must see Dave Chappelle. Just see Dave Chappelle. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, I know Chris Rock. Like, I'd watch Chris Rock. I'd watch Eddie Murphy. You know, just watch Dave Chappelle, Dave Chappelle. Then I watched Dave, and I was like, oh, okay, this is... He's your guy. Like, he's my guy. But in all of this, every time I watch a comedian, I go and read about them. And then in every every bit of material I could get on them everybody mentions Richard Pryor yeah Richard Pryor changed my whole life after I saw Richard Pryor I was like okay game over <laughs> uh, and I could literally see I could see Eddie in him I could see Chris I yes. could see Martin I could see everyone like in this person like his topics the way he moved on stage and then I was like oh shit this okay cool the This is the person I need to study.
0: Okay. And that's a really great, again, that's that student thing. This is the person I need to study. So what is, so just talk to me about studying a comic. Like, what does that mean to you to study a comic? For example,
1: (laughs) I watched so much prior when I started doing comedy, I used to perform with...
0: An American accent. (laughs) That's (laughs) that's funny.
1: (laughs) Because of Richard Pryor... Richard Pryor had a heart attack, right? Yeah. Because of all his drug abuse and whatever. Richard used to do the... If you listen to Richard closely, he does a... So, with with Richard, because of his heart attack he had, the way he breathed on stage was because of that. Yeah. I didn't realize that. I even took the breathing. So, I was literally doing the... And then he was like, no, man, this is not how I speak. It's like, it's only... I'm only speaking like that on stage... Because of how Richard was performing. Yes.
0: Did it, how did you notice? Did you notice? that someone point
1: that out? I noticed that um, just because I think actually a friend of mine might have said, "Hey, what are you doing? <laughs> are
0: You breathing like Pryor?"
1: <laughs> <laughs> but they didn't. They didn't know Pryor. Like, ah. so nobody knows the where I'm getting it from. Sure. Because nobody apart from like I watch so much stand-up. My mom's favorite comedian is Bernie Mac just from me watching...
0: What a sentence. My mom's favorite
1: comedian is Bernie (laughs) Mac. Oh, my God. Like, you would not think, like, this religious woman, and she loves Bernie Mac. You don't understand. (laughs) Yes. I ain't scared
0: of you motherfuckers. Thanks, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like...
1: So, yeah, nobody was watching comedy. I was only watching this at home with my family or with cousins that would come around. Okay. But... I was not like I. I got to the point where I wasn't even sharing DVDs with people. I was like, "This is my shit. I'm watching this over and over again." Like I like remember when you'd go to the DVD store or the video store, Mm -hmm. and then you could rent a film. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: There's so many places. No,
0: no, granddad, I've got no idea what you're talking (laughs) about.
1: (laughs) There's so many places in Durban where I owe them DVDs where I'd literally go and rent the thing if it was great I'll go back the next week rent it again and then like that's just not coming back <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, I oh, just watched it Presumably go. these places no longer exist because the market doesn't exist yeah, anymore. Yeah, yeah. so you can never go back like you become super famous Chappelle level comedian and go back and visit and return your DVDs yeah, <laughs> that would be a great talk.
1: <laughs> Like, yeah, I'd go... Now I'd go back and give them the money that yeah, that yeah, I owed yeah, them, fine. but, like... But they don't exist. No. But well, I was also, well, at the did. time, I was like, uh, you guys don't...
0: And no, you took them out of circulation so no one else in Durban could learn about... <laughs> <stuff>. No <comedy. laughs> No, that's a tactic!
1: <laughs> but it's also, like, this thing is always... Yeah, it's like, I remember renting Richard Pryor. Nobody was touching it. That thing was dusty on the shelf.
0: Yeah,
1: And then, like, it's so crazy because Richard Pryor live in concert... It's shot, what, in 1973, 75? Mm-hmm. And um, it, I remember watching it in 2005, and it was flawless. You know, and you watch a thing, and, and you can see just from, like, the footage, like, this is old. But watching it as a kid and going, this shit is hilarious. Like, yeah, Chappelle's funny, Bernie Mac's funny, but this thing, you could feel... Through watching it The energy And the time of it Like when Pryor was talking about Like The shitty The great thing about Pryor is He doesn't talk race But he talks race hmm. Like he, he, It's it's all his life And he's making the shit That I went through When he talks about The hiding When he talks about The heart attack on the, In the yard You don't have to have The heart attack But you see the thing
0: Yeah And yeah. I think
1: that's like For me it was just So eye opening Because he just took Every fuck up in his life ...and made a comedy gold... ...and it's like... Who gets, ...who gets those kind of laughs from... ...talking about having a drug overdose... ...or trying to kill yourself... Throwing, ...like you know what I mean... ...lighting yourself on fire... ...how are you making a whole crowd of mixed people... ...all just feel something and laugh hard... ...I was just like this is... ...it, it was so genius to me...
0: When, when you had that period of like writing for four years... ...before actually setting foot on a stand-up stage... Just, just spend a bit of time on that because that's so unusual like I like you, you remind me in talking about this kind of being a student of stand-up you remind me of do you know Ivan Aristagueta? no Venezuelan act who's uh, he's based I think in Melbourne now you might have seen him have you been to Melbourne Comedy Festival? I've been to Sydney and Perth love, oh okay, okay. maybe Melbourne. you haven't run into that um, he uh, so he taught himself comedy by translating the great routines f- oh. into Spanish And in doing so, like exploding the diagram of how it all works, like he's similarly kind of like there's this, and what this guy does is this, and this guy's foundational premise is this. You know, kind of like diving in in that, like in a really, um, in in, I guess a similarly kind of uh, a cerebral kind of way, right, or an even more cerebral kind of way, maybe. But I'm so I'm I like I love the idea of studying comedy and what things you can get from studying comedy and what things you can't understand until you do it yourself. Right. There's so many
1: I think I think with stand up comedy, um it was always like me, me, me when when you're when I was writing material at first and it was writing material um that I thought was comedy but wasn't really comedy. So I was trying to look so like I was trying to after watching prior then I was trying to find every fuck up in my life to try, to try and touch something. i got like to set place. myself on fire. i so got something to talk about. fuck, like, I'm happy. What the fuck is this? <laughs> like, I can't write comedy happy. Like that type of stuff. And um, it was like trying to find every detail. Or oh, then I remember watching, I can't remember which comedian, very political, um, like rock. Rock is really funny, but he hits politics and he does it really well. But I was trying to touch a bit of rock. And go, okay, cool. Where can I find my equivalence uh, to rock politics in South Africa mm. and make it funny? So there's a a lot of things being taken, like ideas. Okay, you so you have a sex joke, okay, cool. So what what sexual experience do I have at this time in my life to also throw in a sex joke? So I was just trying to was trying to tick all the things. Okay. Which was weird, I, you know, when you look back at your previous sets or how you're doing, you're like, I don't know how all the shit was funny. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how I survived all this, <laughs> but you guys laughed. But it was like, it had every, everything. Okay, and then there's this, and then so we can do some politics for two minutes. Then we do sex. Then we do some hardship. You know what I mean? So there's all these different things, but it, it didn't have the right flow or, or. Click. And then the one day I just started talking to a friend of mine about dropping out of high school. Like, which is a true story. And then that just became a whole bit of like, okay, cool, this is what happened. Like,
0: like you got a sense of it being funny because you were telling him about it and he was laughing.
1: Yes. But I was just telling him. I just said because at the because now I'm doing comedy for like maybe four months. Doing comedy, staying at home with my mom, all my siblings have moved out. I'm still at home. Um, and and I'm just talking about, like, during the day, because it just felt like, okay, so I no more have a day job. I just have all this time on my hands. And then every week, I go and do 15 minutes. <laughs> and then for the rest of the week, I'm doing nothing. I'm just studying comedy, watching comedy. So then I just started telling him about like my day and uh and then that's when I started going okay he has my angle you know what i mean
0: I I know what you mean but what like I know what you mean but just unpack what you mean so like in in terms of like you're telling him you're telling your friend something and you felt you were telling it differently to how you normally tell him something Yeah but the way he
1: I was telling him he was so interested in it because he has like He knew what it was talking about, but he didn't know because he had a day job. He was in a serious relationship. So all these things I'm talking about, like how I need to make sure I wash dishes when my mom's out at school. How I got it, like all these responsibilities, but you don't, you're not getting paid for it. uh, So it was like, you're pretty much running the house, making sure the house is clean and stuff. Because my mom was like, yo, I'll give you money to get to gigs. Uh, don't worry, there's always going to be food on the table, but if you're going to do stand-up, do this thing properly. That was her only thing, her her only deal with me. She's like, yo, just do the thing properly, don't waste my time. And I was like, okay, cool. So she was like, okay, I'm not going to give you money to go drink at the comedy club, but you're going to get there and get home. (laughs) So that was her thing. But, so when I was telling him all these stories, I was like, I had so much time away from the stage that I realized that there's this whole bit that I was just missing. Like just the whole thing of not having money, uh, staying at home with your mom, uh, all, all these different things. But I didn't realize that was the comedy gold.
0: Yes. The problems are the material. Yes. You were thinking, I'm, I'm too happy. I can't set myself on fire. Yes. And then you kind of had an epiphany where you went, Oh, actually, it's the real problems of my life. Right. Are the thing the actual text of my yeah. life it's not contriving some sort of problem to have yes. it's, the it, fact is it's right here it's right here it's, that's it's, a big moment right it, it was it just clicked I remember just looking at him face to face and just
1: talking and I just remember going oh, he has the bit he has my angle you know when you go, he has the angle for people knowing who this comedian is yes before it was oh, a bit of prayer a bit of mech but of Seinfeld, but of sure, so it was just all over the place. Yes, it, it still was funny, but it wasn't real.
0: And, and what do you feel? I mean, this is an impossible question. But what do you feel that angle is? What is it? What do What do you think we see when we see you step on stage? I don't
1: know. I I think I think now I feel like people like me. Just I hate saying like telling it like it is because it sounds so cliche, but I I think people do appreciate the the truth in what I say. And the, um, this is direct, but in the way I say it, it's, it's like, the, I think most comedians do it, where you, you give somebody, you get this glass of water, you give it to me, but instead of just give me a glass of water, you throw in some ice and a lemon.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay.
1: You know what I mean? It's still, not everybody's going to taste the lemon, but the right people eventually will get that, you know what so I mean? So
0: nuance. The nuance,
1: those little things
0: and what I, do you what do you think is your tone my tone because I, I mean I've got some observations about your tone but before I say them I'm interested oh, in what to, you think is your tone yeah I don't know really like as opposed to Loy or Trevor or whoever you know what is it when, like, what's, what's particular to your tone like, leaving aside the fact that when you walk on stage, you get 10 minutes of wolf whistles. Yeah, <laughs> He's <a> handsome guy. Yeah, <laughs> handsome guy with a dangerous looking scar on, on, on your lip. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know, that happened
1: the past two nights, like, ladies and whistling.
0: That's a I saw on YouTube. You've, got, you've clearly got gear about. There's a clip on YouTube, on like, I don't know if it's your agent's page or something, <laughs> where you come out, everyone's wolf whistling, and you do, ladies, you're looking great yourselves. Well, not all of you. Boom. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm like, oh, this clearly happens enough that you've written gear about it. Oh, yes. I remember that. Don't pretend it's a (laughs) little freak.
1: I I don't know. You you know, it feels like, because even when, like, these chicks are whistling or whatever, and then they start whistling, but they want to start talking, I, I I like seeing how that changes
0: <laughs> <laughs> when you would sell them. <laughs>
1: yes, uh, the the change of like, um, yeah, he's cute, but now his comedy. I don't feel like I'm trying to rely on looks. No, no. I I like I've seen it with like some entertainers where you can see they know they're good looking, male and female, and they're yeah. like, and they might not be doing it deliberately, but you can see this reliance on appearance and I don't think I'm doing that I hope I'm not doing that
0: no I don't think so no and the fact that that joke and I'm sure there's other things you can say to them about the wolf whistles but I feel like that that specific joke of going like you look great yourself or all of you it's deliberately an affront isn't it right it's like, stop liking me for being pretty
1: yeah 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 uh, yeah I guess so I don't think of it like that.
0: Yeah, I feel, I feel like whether it's intentional or not, I feel like that's, that's the effect. Yeah. It's like, I, you're, you're reminding us that you're not buttered up by this. Don't, right. don't, don't think we're friends now because you wolf whistled. Right, no,
1: right. I feel like that's the message. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's exactly what I'm trying to say.
0: So your tone, besides that, my
1: tone shucks I, I don't even think I can answer did you literally say shucks I don't yes. think I've ever heard
0: a human being say shucks before is I, thought, I thought that
1: was just in TV oh, sh- shucks is a very big thing it's Africa. <laughs> oh actually. is it really okay fine I'm there's like a movie like... called shucks oh
0: no way I didn't. I wasn't aware of that context to me that's like a cowboy thing ah oh, shucks oh no
1: there's a, there's a there's a comedic actor called Leon Chester who does all these like prank stuff okay like, I grew up watching a lot of his stuff okay. and um he, he has a movie called Oh Shucks, it's just that. Okay, okay, So like Shucks was a... You'll hear a lot of South Africans say Shucks. <laughs> I think South Africans over 25. Okay. Yeah.
0: So uh, I, I think when you come out on stage, you're, you're tall and you're kind of rangy, but you have a sort of... Um, I always want to say the word lugubrious, but I don't think it means what I think it means, so I don't mean that. You're kind of... You have a sort of languid kind of quality like right. you know like Lori is tall as fuck and angular but he has he's like a spider right yes. whereas you're more you have a more kind of given quality <laughs> you, know <laughs> you know what I mean like I do you know to. what I mean it's like a sl- an easy kind of slowness yeah. but you I feel like you're you're stuck you really let us come to you do you know what I mean you're right. not coming out throwing energy at us going right. like me like me you're going I'm here pause and we're like Oh, yeah. And we all lean forwards, right? Do you, do you feel that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I I know
1: what you're talking about. I, I, feel that, I feel that, but it's like... I think it's just some things I've learned throughout the years. When I used to open for Trevor, remember, like, back in 2010, when I opened for Trevor and I used to go very fast on stage. I was very afraid of the silence. Like, silence for me was such a difficult thing. I'd speed up. And you know how it is if you're dying on stage... Um, that joke doesn't work. Now you speed up trying to get to the next punchline. You end up fucking up the next joke because you're not respecting it. And then Trevor's like, yo, you speak so slowly off stage. Why are you, why are you becoming this other person? And then for then I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I think also opening for Trevor, I opened for him for seven years. I think the first time I did it, I'd go quickly because I knew people wanted to see him.
0: Yeah, okay.
1: And I don't think I was confident enough to go like, yo, this is my time. Let me do my thing, but Trevor's very encouraging. He'd always be like, "Perform as if I'm not coming. Go and yeah. do your thing. Do your yeah, twelve that's minutes. That's
0: great advice. That's great advice.
1: And then I think, I, I, in the touring, like we are on stage every day to massive crowds. That's like, I think this is my second year in comedy. That's when I your like,
0: second year in comedy and you're yeah. doing Trevor size like what arenas or like thousand seat stuff like that
1: so it's like theatres so like yeah. um, where we're at here yeah so like we're doing like I think Trevor's first tour we're doing 600 seaters okay. 600 400 oh, 600
0: too. year 2
1: <laughs> on, and I'm doing this year probably 2 in,
0: and probably year 1 there's only 1 gig a month right like how many gigs did you done by the time you were opening for Trevor in a 600 seater had you done like 100 gigs or <laughs>
1: <coughs> less than 100
0: Jesus Christ way less this is Robbie what a joy what what a, his voice is just suffused with sunshine and uh, I'm loving the shucks <laughs> here and there um I, uh, I it was so so much fun uh, talking to Robbie and uh, let's focus on what the world was back then a scant three or four weeks ago and not what it is at the moment and may become let's remember though that what it is at the moment whatever else is going on is full of joy and creativity and if you are one of the people who has been joining us online via the ComCom Facebook group to take part in the various trials and tribulations of Stuart Goldsmith as he tries to pivot and create an online comedy club with genuine atmosphere. Um, Our our Bristol New Material Night, Chops, is going to live again online. And thanks to all of you who, I'm recording this on Thursday, uh, a few hours ago people joined us. Uh, There were some wonderful acts, William Stone, Jenny Collier, plenty more besides. Um, And uh, we had some some really good gear. We were testing out whether we can use this particular technique that uh, I have cut and shut together with uh, the help of ComCom. Uh, well, I've got to give him a new role officially. Uh, there's a gentleman called Callum who is my uh, Twitch and streaming expert. So uh, thank you very much to, to Callum as the, what do we call him, the the streaming consultant for now. Um, so that has been going great guns and of course uh, if you were part of the audience for Stuart Goldsmith's Infinite Sofa Brackets Working Title I'm creating a chat show format online in which you are the audience and the guests and uh, we can zoom in and interview anyone at any time Rob Rouse was our first celebrity guest who very kindly took us outside in the middle of the night to look at his racing chickens that will mean nothing to you I'm sure but if you're not in the ComCom Facebook group you are not going to find the first opportunities to jump on board things like this and help me test out new New things that will become further things online. It, it's with all due respect to the crisis that the world is undergoing, uh, it is a really exciting time here at. It's not Comcom Towers, and I'm not sat in a van anymore. I've cobbled up a, a desk out of a couple of decking planks in my bedroom. So, uh, in the Comcom bedroom at the moment, um, there's a lot of exciting things going on, and I, I feel so lucky to be uh, stewarding the Comcom community and uh, genuinely. I'm going to get emotional if I talk about it anymore. At the moment, everyone's online. Everyone's trying to help everyone else feel better. And I am so indebted to all of you who are connected either in the Insiders Club or in the Facebook group or just emailing here and there. Everyone's offering so much help, offering so many ideas and feedback. And we are all truly making something together in a way that I find enormously uh, exciting, invigorating. And I never like to use the word heartening because I don't think it exists. I think the word is encouraging disheartening exists, but I think heartening is nonsense. Um, But nonetheless, I'm finding it heartening. So thank you to all of you. You can join the Insiders Club at comedianscomedian.com slash insiders. And here's a couple of other fun things that I've just invented, or invented for myself at least. Um, Send me your messages if you are listening alone. I spoke to someone earlier in the week who works from home, lives alone and is completely isolated and hasn't really left the house apart from to... I mean, obviously, none of us have left the house apart from to exercise and buy food. But um, none of us in the UK. Hi to Richard in Sweden with your casual approach to wandering around. Um, But... uh, I spoke to someone who was particularly isolated, and it occurred to me if you yourself are feeling particularly isolated, if you are uh, feeling loneliness, uh, and you would... Feeling loneliness. Feeling lonely, we often call that. Um, you can talk to me. You can go to comedianscomedian.com slash speak and use that. You just press a button, use your phone mic or your laptop internal mic to record a two-minute message that I will answer on this podcast. I can't guarantee if it suddenly blows up and there's hundreds of them, I can't guarantee. But uh, at the moment it's not blowing up. So feel free to go to comedianscomedian.com slash speak. Send me a message if you're isolated, feeling lonely. I will potentially get back to you and have a chat with you, um, but certainly use your message and answer it on a future special episode of the show. That's the plan. Similarly, if you are, and let's keep it within the realms of creativity, if you have come up with a particularly funny game to play with your neighbours on lockdown, if you're um, chalking things on the floor outside your house if you are coming up with or have seen any particularly novel or creative solutions for some of the isolation a lot of us are struggling with or just creative ways to school your children or source food if you're venturing into the wasteland and trading bottle caps for stim packs I'd like to know about it comedianscomedian.com slash speak and of course, finally, before we go back into this episode with Robbie, go to comedianscomedian.com slash lunch if you would like to have a working lunch with me. There's a couple of different price points for if you are uh, struggling at the moment or if you're comfortably furloughed and salaried. Very funny tweet. I can't credit this, but I always think of it now. Stop, you. So I saw this two days ago. Stop using the word furloughed as if you knew what it meant three days ago. Great observation. Lovely joke. I'm sorry I can't credit the writer. It's lost to the ephemera of Twitter. Um, I'm doing these working lunches, I've done six or seven of them now and they have been so much fun uh, it's basically, it's a sort of a new thing again. It's not me, but the, certainly the ones that have been professional, sort of comedy based, talking to comics who are 100 gigs in or so and doing almost like a sort of surgery with them, which isn't about writing jokes or rewriting jokes. It's more, I sort of try and com-com them and try to get to the the, the bones of whatever it is they're like tease out the thing that they're struggling with that they don't yet know they're struggling with and try to give them some pointers to resolve it. Um, uh, Ben Milden was one of my first victims on that. And he's gave me a lovely testimony. He said, thanks so much for what was an incredibly productive, useful, and thought provoking working lunch slash therapy session. And I think that sums it up. So comedians, com slash lunch. If you would like to book one of those with me, they're loads of fun to do. And, uh, I'm finding them very stimulating and invigorating and all of those things. I'll chat to you in a, in a bit of a postamble after the episode, but for now, let's get back to this conversation with Robbie Collins. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and three hundred and sixty-five day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. How do you cope when things don't work? Like how do you how how's your how's your mental health? How are you how are you coping with the tougher elements of the job um
1: end of last year I started seeing a therapist cause I was like I was just feeling really down last year it was it just felt like a tough year emotionally even though comedy went really well um and yeah I was just like I was like no I need to actually do something I need to make an effort to feel alright that's something that I wasn't really accustomed to before um where especially with stand-up, you know how stand-up works, you feeling down, you're on stage, you crush. you walk off stage feeling like life's perfect <laughs> and you just forget about everything. <laughs> this seems sustainable. <laughs> yes, is like, <laughs> I'm going people asking for pics, I've, yeah. I've got a beer, I'm, you know, what I mean? this is nice, there's ladies around me. oh, this is nice, I'm fine. <laughs> and then you go, um, go home and you, this this might sound very really depressing though, but you go home and you're alone and then you're like, Okay Eventually you fall asleep Then you're in bed for half the day You don't want to get out of bed You're feeling depressed again The high has gone down And that, that that sort of became a routine For me And then eventually I was like No, I don't want to The stage can't be the only happy place, man As much as I love stand-up that You can't live life that, like that That's like it's It's way too much like I've made an effort this year and and end of last year to have friends and a social life out of the comedy club
0: like i I love the idea of making an effort to do that like That's, not that it, not that it's necessarily hard, maybe it is hard, but to given that comedy can absorb you when you're an obsessive like you like yeah. me it can absorb everything right. To remember, like, to, even to, well done, for congratulations for spotting that that is not necessarily healthy or sustainable. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's like, I love
1: my comedian friends, and I've made very close comedian friends over the years. Like, I think why you click with comedians is because I, I've known you for a week, but I know so much of the shit you've gone through.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Just from stand up. Yeah. We've shared so much already. 100%. Just from the craft we do. Yeah. And I think that's why We click quicker Because You can You can walk into The room With Eddie Murphy Yeah And he knows What you're going through And you know What he's gone through yeah. so, And immediately That's such a great connection I remember I had this argument with my ex-girlfriend ex-girl, and, and she'd be like Show ended at Hot past 10 Why are you home at 2 It's like Yo The stage is the practical Off stage is the theory I need to be around These people Comedy is a lonely thing. So if I'm don't, if i not hearing your stories about how the guy didn't want to pay you or this gig was horrible, I'm just thinking that I'm living in the shit by myself. You know what I mean? And then you hear another comedian who's doing better than you, maybe financially or whatever it is, but you're just hearing all these stories. And you're like, yeah,
0: yeah okay, this is, I'm not alone in this. Yeah. This, <laughs> this is what... <laughs> The stages Tell me that again That was brilliant The stage, stage is, the the, is the practical practical
1: And the off stage is the theory Yes And then you have to have Both those components You have to Those conversations With comedians After a gig Jesus Like those Those conversations Have like saved me Like we're just listening Like lawyer Before I went overseas And Loy and Trevor Were the guys Who were going overseas Um But whenever they come back Or lawyer come back Especially Like you just tell me These crazy stories About the road And like overseas London or New York It's like Oh shit Okay And like you're just Hearing all these things And it's so important To go okay There's somebody next to me Who I know Is doing this Yeah It's like This shit isn't that far off
0: Yes And even like Just with those things Of envy Of like um, When you see other comics Who are doing great And then to hear From them That like Oh, this is this opportunity I have is because I worked for it for five years. It's always been my dream project, and I. Right. You know, and you go, oh right, yeah. It was when I just saw it outside. It just seemed like something had fallen in your lap, and now I realise it's part of your narrative and it's a big deal to you and right. like that. You know, all of those things make you kind of go, oh right, this is you know because we live in such a we all have to self promote. Yeah, and like for me personally, I, I'm like I'm
1: really making an effort to promote on social media. But I just find social media, it's almost <clears throat> you, the way you got to promote yourself. Like, so a friend was saying to me, like, you can't just post on your Instagram um, posters of gigs when you want people to come to gigs. You People want to see your life and feel like there's a connection to come to your gigs. And, like, fuck, when I'm on stage, I talk about my life and stuff. If they come to the gig, they'll know about me. <laughs> Then I thought about it more and I was like, okay, I understand if, if I want you to give me 150 rand, uh, what's it, 15 pounds, <laughs> if I want that money from you, then I, I can't just, I just, can't just come to you when I want cash.
0: Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: Like there has to be an investment in it, you know? So I do understand it more and I'm trying to make more of an effort, but, um, I don't if I if I didn't do stand up I don't think I'd have social media.
0: Yeah, same. Uh, and and if you started 11 years ago, you didn't start it in order to do social media. You started it to gig, and it's but, become this inescapable
1: yeah part of it. Like Facebook was a thing. Facebook was just coming out, so Facebook was so like family orientated, and it was cool to have, but it wasn't like this. Uh, if you don't have the shit you, you don't have a career Type mm. of thing mm. Now it's very much like Yo If you don't have that If you don't have that They're gonna forget <laughs> about every you Every
0: time someone Invents a new app All comedians are like Oh fuck This <laughs> is <real."> <laughs> <laughs> That TikTok thing <clears throat> I
1: was like I'm not even Entertaining that shit <laughs> Like I I was like I'm hoping It disappears As, as quickly as it's come in It's like I think Instagram... Instagram is probably the best because Instagram has um, everything. And, like, the pictures, captions, and... The, the captions, they can, it's pretty much, like, the Facebook status.
0: Yeah. You can get... You can basically put a tweet on Instagram. Yeah. You can't really do it the other way around.
1: Yeah. And I haven't I haven't been on Twitter since 2017. I just... I just find it to be a negative, negative place. It's like, I, I don't want... Like... I don't. I remember once. This isn't the reason I stopped, but I remember once walking off stage and checking my phone to make notes, and then on Twitter, somebody had already tweeted at me, like literally in like two minutes. Yeah. I think they did it while I was still on stage. And I was like, "No, man. Like this is." Just, and it wasn't. It wasn't a positive tweet. I remember just like, "The fuck is this?" Like, watch the thing you I can see when you tweeted this if you put your phone away and actually watch the thing, yeah, I think you'd have enjoyed it more
0: yeah yeah so what what kind of what kind of negative things are you specifically battling with in the in the world of work in terms of your comedy what like when you started seeing a therapist, are there ramifications for your comedy practice that you're grappling with
1: no. I I think it might just be maybe maybe relying on comedy too much yeah not so much the craft like I know things you'll have your bad gigs I'm past that point (laughs) you know you know some months are better some you get I know that I think the thing is relying too much on it making that the only focal point Mm -hmm. like I'm from Durban And I was just thinking about it um, When was it? Beginning of February uh, I finally went down to Durban Just to see my mom And chill Before For the past Jesus For the past six years I've always gone to Durban Because I was booked for a gig And then I'd fly in earlier Or a day later Just to hang out with my mom yeah, That's a good point Yeah and you go, okay, so I'm, my relationship with my mother is based on my bookings. Yeah. yeah. Obviously, I still speak to on the phone. But I'm like, the times I see are based on my bookings, like that's when you go, okay, actually, that's, something's wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Like it seemed cool. It seemed convenient. But that's not how it should be. Like if you've got some free time, then go out and hang with your mom or whoever it is yeah. who's important to you. Yeah. And I just thought... Comedy was dictating too much of my um, of my attention, or depending on what I give my attention to.
0: Have you found it hard to? Have you found it? You, you, this may be a total no, but have you found it hard to make friends outside comedy? If you're deliberately starting new friendships outside comedy, no, because I, I actually,
1: you know what it is. It's because comedy's also given me so many friends, even yeah. that aren't, even who aren't comedians. Um, so you know a lot of people. But the thing is, that's always socialized within comedy. So it's, we, we had the pub next door to the comedy club because you came to my show. So mm-hmm. it's not like I went out without touching the comedy club, touching a mic, or even going near the comedy club. Mm. It always starts with okay, comedy club, and then we'll see what happens next.
0: Yeah. So, to uh, so trying to stop that, you've got to relearn how to
1: be a social, yeah. how to socialize. But then at the same time, just if you, the only comedian, hanging out with a bunch of normal c- civilians,
0: they're worse.
1: <laughs> Jeez. <Jesus. laughs> like some some of them are like like you know when you do no, it, I don't mean
0: you <laughs> if any you are listening to this I don't mean you personally
1: <laughs> you know when you do a joke like with normal civilians and you shit this would have killed in comedy really, like with a bunch of comedians because with us we'll th- everything goes like if you if you think what a comedian says on stage is hectic go and listen to comedians backstage <laughs> there you'll hear like the craziest shit the stuff the stuff that's not yet which we the stuff that we want to do on stage but we're not confident enough to do on stage and that backstage is just, it's wild
0: I always remember there's a uh, a comic actress and writer in the UK called Katie Wicks and uh, she a friend of mine on another podcast she was saying about how you'd be with a a partner she'd be with a boyfriend or a friend who was just going oh I don't want to go and I don't want to go and hang out with you and comedians because all you do is stand in a circle and try and top <laughs> each other's joke. And she's like, yes, it's the best thing in the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, but, not... oh, sorry, you're going? No, no, go I'm listening. Well, I just, I just think, uh, but for all that we say that laughingly, it is important, right, to, to have a real life. It is. Like, just That's a really good point. Going out, not after a gig. Yeah. Just going out. Just just going out, like, just, like, going for
1: dinner, whatever it is, and just leave, like, so so many times with comedy, and I, I promise you, I, I blame social media for this shit. Social media creates this thing of, if you're not there or you're not doing something, you're missing out drastically. Constantly. And it's, it's yeah, it's, it, like, how many people are posting things and in, in these, the story, so it's like, so you're seeing every little thing, if you're having two days off in a week and you're just chilling because you need to do that personally, you can't go on social media and if you're not strong enough because those people make you feel like you're throwing your life away like you're wasting time and it's absolutely it's absolutely so horrible like if I think if I had like teenage kids, I don't think I'd let them have social media just yet
0: mm-hmm.
1: I feel like there, it's a lot of things, and the same way it puts pressure on kids. I think it puts pressure on adults. Yeah. And if you have a career like comedy, if you see people doing this gig and that gig, you literally feel like your career is going to shit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because the nature of it, the nature of the algorithm or whatever, it's designed so that you see the best, most exciting things. You don't, on social media, you don't watch one individual comic have a week of right. like having a great gig then a night off then a fight with their pair and, and then a you know and then another gig and then a not so, not so good gig you don't see that you just see the very top highlights of everyone right. and you end up thinking god everyone's enjoying themselves like the whole point of social media is to leverage fear of missing out you know leverage FOMO in order to make someone else a billionaire <laughs> you're so like oh, well done that's a really good trick you pulled totally but but you know yeah. I can I can think that logically and then still Glance at something and then get completely sucked in into feeling like a loser.
1: Totally, awful. Like, like when I post like stories, if I have had a bad gig, I'll say totally bombed today. Oh yeah. shit! Yeah, like I'll I'll be the first person to yeah, say I'm because <laughs> I'm like because no you you know the other thing is like if if you're only gonna be posting how great you you are, your comedy is, or everybody you with is just killing you're not really explaining live comedy that's
0: true that's I'm going to start doing a new thing inspired by this conversation whenever I see someone's success on social media I'm going to click on their profile and look at their 10, 15 most recent posts and if there's no failures I'm going to stop following them <laughs> that's my new system and I'm going to apply that to my own output as well because what's the point because otherwise you're alright you know put them on a list of like you know Bobby Tazzlers, whatever then but they're not real people like you, you you don't have to compare yourself to anyone who doesn't put any failures on social media Right. that's a good that is I mean that feels like the solution that is the absolute bare minimum we should all be doing <laughs> yes uh, like if people I
1: think we'll all be learning so much and all be so much more relaxed if we're actually telling our failures talking about our failures yeah like if you're like yo that, that shit didn't work it was horrible
0: and that's what we should be doing on stage that's you know that's that, that's <laughs> what we came back to we were talking at the beginning of this yeah. talking about the time you set yourself on fire yeah, it's like you know like um, <laughs> when
1: people are re- in relationships on social media you see everything about the relationship <laughs> gotcha. we're in Bali we're here, we're here like I feel like after people break up they need to post a picture together just like exp- this is this is me <laughs> staring out the window missing yes. them <laughs> and explain what happened because I feel like yeah. I'm so invested in your bullshit <laughs> tell me what happened <laughs> 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 who fucked up so
0: <laughs> what are your um, we'll wrap up shortly what are your um? what do you see as your superpowers in comedy like what are you particularly good at
1: I think storytelling
0: yeah
1: I think story t- yeah storytelling definitely
0: and what is it you know about storytelling that makes you good at it what do you mean well like, like if you had to, say you had to talk to you 10 years ago yeah. and shortcut your learning about storytelling, like what would you say? What is it that you've discovered about storytelling or, or that you know naturally, just in your bones, that makes you a better storyteller than the next guy?
1: Um, I think not relying just on facts of the story. I think in in storytelling, um, there's so many different... Avenues like so many times. You, I remember when I try to start doing storytelling back in the day, I was like, Facts, this is exactly what happened. <laughs> <laughs> doing that with, you know what I mean? Where I, I thought if I, I um, beefed it up, I was lying to them. They're like, No, I'm not lying to them. I'm just trying to make you come into my world more. Yeah, that's all it is. And I think when you paint that whole when you show people that side, like, hey, Amen. It's there's so many times in comedy you need to do things just to get them in it. And then you can go wherever you want. So I think it's just being being comfortable with beefing it up just to make my world more accessible to the to a stranger in the audience. I used to do this joke about my cousins attempted suicide. Fuck I used to love doing this joke.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> so my cousin trying to kill himself. So (laughs) the whole joke was like, um, so cousin tried to kill himself and uh, forget, I forget how it goes, but um, how he's over it now. He went for counseling, he's dating again, he's doing well, but he's forgotten all the shit he's put us through. Because it's a hectic thing when somebody tries to kill himself, Mm -hmm. but he's got like, he's doing well personally, but we look at him like a hazard, like we don't trust him. In the house or whatever So it's just like it's just it's like This whole thing of like uh, Like he can't go Into the kitchen To make tea for himself Because everybody's like What's he doing And
0: just God.
1: It's just like Messing with him Like while we're chilling Watching TV I'm just looking at him Like hey Brian oh, <laughs> It's man. like Over the top But I realized In that joke Before That joke couldn't Stand alone
0: mm-hmm.
1: So I had another joke, which wasn't the same cousin, about rich relatives that um, you always thought they were better than us. So you go visit, and they always had, like, they didn't, like, my little cousin wouldn't let us play with their toys because they thought we were going to break the thing or whatever. So then I combined that two shit, and then to make it, so made that cousin who attempted to kill himself be part of the rich family. Yes, so once you build that joke on the rich family and where people are laughing and they're like, yeah, we all know that rich family member that's an asshole. Yes. They get that. And then, so so then the way I linked those two jokes is like, they were always better than us um, until the oldest son tried to kill himself. Then the crowd goes... <laughs> But now it's a
0: laugh. <laughs> Before it
1: wasn't a laugh.
0: Yes. Okay.
1: Because yes. now they go, oh, okay, okay. We we see why there's a victory in this man's attempt to
0: suicide. Yes. Yes. A victory for you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah.
1: We, yes Okay and so that, Standing alone That shit is like wow, Hey man The person trying to kill himself Sure And it's also not like It's not like I try to kill myself Where it's self-deprecating Now I'm making fun of some. That's a to try to end your life That's a hectic thing You're going through But I was like I need to make this thing work So that joke The suicide joke The first time I did it I did it just Without the rich family And Killed and I was like Oh shit This thing's funny did it again Bombed 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 It was like Ruining my sets. Like after I do the joke It was literally like You know like You can be On like 100% That joke would take me To like 10 <laughs> With the crowd I was like What the fuck is happening? But you knew But it had killed once So you knew There was a way There's something, something But I was doing Something wrong Then I realized A friend of mine Comedian He was like You're not smiling When you say it it's like it's way too serious. Uh, you laughing, but you're not smiling. You're not over it. It doesn't look like you're over it to us, so we can't okay. join in on this okay. thing. Okay. You're not assholes. So I was like, okay. Then I realized that. So even if I fake giggle, and then now I have this other joke. Let's combine the thing. So now we show oh this person is a human before he tried to kill himself. So we get yes. that out the way. Yes. And also, let's not act like he was, he's never been an asshole. Sure, 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 sure. So it fleshes, it
0: fixes so many problems. Yeah, just the, the collage of those two bits together. Yeah, the related the, the action of one upon another. Right. So, do you see? Do you ever see other comics telling stories and have a sense of why they don't work as well? Yeah and what is the mistake it that sounds you very see? arrogant no, no, I'm sorry, this is a place to talk about it what, what, what mistakes do you see people making I'm asking I think it could be useful for comics or storytellers listening to this <laughs> if you can identify the, the most common mistakes you see people make when they're stories that don't work
1: um, the, the laziness in thinking that people are already in your world that's a big thing where you wherever you are even being here like i'm from durban but i must still explain my world to them before i can take you into stealing chips in the kitchen i gotta explain how i even got there my <laughs> mother's a nun like let's break it down before we even get to chips so if i just started talking about Stealing chips I'm like Yo yeah, what household Did you grow in, grow up in <laughs> But there's a point now Why we Trying to steal chips You know what I'm saying So there's I think the laziness In trying to get Your audience To that To where you want them Okay Just expecting them To be there And know what it is I think there's um, I think a, a lot of Comedians don't the, In that laziness It creates a lot of silence Because you, in your story Your punchline At the end of the story Is your only bit of humor And maybe a couple of giggles If you went out of your way To figure out How to explain the shit properly You'd probably add in Another ten laughs Big laughs But it's just like <clears throat> Oh now you're just telling us This very uh, dramatic story And we've got to wait We've got to wait What three minutes to laugh Oh no man
0: It's interesting that, yeah, I I don't disagree with that at all. I think that's very astute. It's interesting that you call it laziness rather than maybe the comic not realizing that they have that opportunity or getting caught up in... You know, I call it laziness. If
1: you went on stage every day, you would have figured that shit out. You would never go on stage every day and talk for three minutes and not get a laugh. And maybe when you hit the punchline, not get a laugh. You would figure that thing out. So, the laziness is not even being th- there to learn the shit. Yeah, right. You know, like that yeah. quote, inspiration can only find you when, you, when you're when you working.
0: Yeah.
1: You're not going to sit at home and write the next uh, best thing, best joke. You, like, you can be sort of prepared, but the stage is where, like, all the... You, uh, I was telling a young comedian, he was asking me a lot of questions two weeks ago. And I said, after giving him advice, I said... Use this advice As long as it serves your purpose You're going to find your own Advice Like every comedian that's given me advice Older comedian The advice work. But I've actually given myself The best advice that I needed Because if you're in the space You go, oh Rob, this works for you This sounds cool That advice you got sounds cool But you more of this person And that's fine it's Like these rules are here to be broken And yeah. changed Yeah you know, it's like, it, I was really, I'm was i a big fan of Quincy Jones. I really do like music, like especially a lot of jazz and stuff. And Quincy Jones was talking about like just making music and all these songs he's produced. And he always says like, he always leaves a song at like 80%. And then he leaves 20% for God to walk through the door and just sprinkle some magic It's like As prepared as you think you are You You can only find the shit If you are in the studio You can only write Thriller If you're in the studio (laughs) Working at it You can only find that next joke On stage And I think It seems like it's difficult But it's so simple Like these people are on stage Like you know when I was When I was Touring with Dave Chappelle He'd do a show And then go to the comedy club and try out this set it's Mm -hmm. the same it's it's the same thing from from a sold out theater you know he's in the comedy club at 2am smoking a cigarette and figuring out things and you go okay so like if this person's still doing that who the hell am I like you know what I mean it's it's like that whole um, you can't you can't you can't beat comedy you can't cheat it even if you are cheating, it for it will eventually win. I've seen that happen. In 12 years, I've seen so many comics disappear, man. Like, yeah, com- really. comics who are, like, the guys. And, like, they'll wear you now. Because? You try to cheat the thing. I'm telling you, it will, it will humble you, dude. That's why Eddie Murphy says in interviews he's terrified to do this thing. Because he knows... Doesn't matter how much money Eddie has, he has to go back to the drawing. He has, you know, needs to be in the clouds. he got to go and fail. He needs to go and fail. He needs to be there every day dealing with bullshit, figuring that shit out. So, like, you can't cheat
0: the thing. And what What are your weaknesses as a comic? Um, can't do accidents.
1: Um Not... Don't even do voices, really uh I think I could be a bit more animated like, yeah, like some jokes i do them i'm like ah if i if I did a lot more of a thing here, I would have been better
0: and what do you see is there anything you see other comics do that you think I wish I had more of that?
1: Oh, yeah, there's certain comedians you watch lectured. Like, I don't know if it's more of that. Um, but it's like, there's certain communities I watch, and I'm, I guess we all have it, where you watch a joke and you're like, Jesus, oh, if I only thought of that thing. Like, you know, like that joke, wow. I'd do anything for just that joke. What's your What's your favourite one of them? So, as I'm trying to, like, saying that, I was trying to think of it. Oh, uh, I was... Friend, 'Cause in South Africa it's not like that. in England you'll have school uniforms.
0: Yeah. Yeah sometimes.
1: <clears throat> sometimes, yeah. He's a comedian from Zimbabwe and his birthday's the I think the eleventh of January. And um he just it's a long it's a really good story, but he just t- talks about how um he he's sick and tired of his mother because he just found out he found out now that um he found out that kids get presents for um, for their birthdays but in South Africa the new school year starts in January so he always got a school uniform or school shoes so he just but the way he paints the picture he's just it's brilliant it's just like how he talks about like oh um, like going to a birthday and there's there's a jumping castle there and there's sweets and he's like oh like just the way he does it <laughs> like I'm gonna mess it up but like when he's it's one of those jokes like when he's in it and I've seen it quite a few times now but you know and you're watching him and you're watching the audience so involved in the joke but they don't even know what's coming next and it is cool to watch it's cool to watch knowing that what's going to come but you know, I was just like he's killing this shit.
0: who's it what's his name
1: Baxter Baxter yeah okay, okay. very very funny
0: <laughs> finally then what do you what do you want from comedy
1: Oh, so fun. Personally, or pers- or like, what do I want to leave in comedy or what? That's a good, good question. I think personally, uh, I think the comedy is something I want to be doing forever. I, um, uh, I'd like it to keep making me happy on stage and just in general, but um, being able to provide whatever I need for me and my family like things like that um but comedy is crazy because I've traveled so much and I've done so many different things and if it wasn't for comedy I would have never like where I think about like just sitting in this room doing this with you like my friends who have normal day day jobs Would never think of doing this on a Saturday afternoon You know what I mean? Or having the opportunity Sure, sure To just talk about things So I, I'm like I'm very grateful for like What I've seen And just people I've met from comedy I think what I'd like to leave from it Leave uh, In comedy is probably like I know like um, We're I don't know. I feel like when I, if I had to stop comedy if something had to happen to me, where people would feel like something was missing if they had seen me before. Does that make sense?
0: Oh, if something would if something meant that you couldn't do comedy anymore, people would be gutted because yes. they'd be like, "Oh, I, I never got to see him."
1: Oh, and we enjoyed his opinion and voice. Yeah, like there's something missing the from from how we laugh, eh?
0: that, am I making yeah, sense yeah I think so yeah that's a really no one's ever interpreted that question before as what do I want to leave behind and I really I'm, I think that's really that's a uh, that's a great angle on it you know yeah because
1: why are we doing it if we're not going to be remembered
0: but no I mean my feeling on that is no one remembers anything if, given enough time even statues crumble
1: Totally But I think And when I say remembered doesn't, You don't have to be Freaking um, The best to ever do it Or whatever It's just your, your influence How you've impacted people
0: Yeah
1: Where You'd be Like what Makes you remembered Is how people talk about you You know Like I don't have to see Certain comedians But I've heard comedians Talk about them like, there's a comedian, Wavin Dawson, he was just before Trevor. He was meant to be one of the big dudes. I've never saw him. And he passed away. He had a car accident, mm-hmm. coming back from a gig. Mm-hmm. And every comedian who talks about that dude just, like, it's just praises. It's like, he was meant to be the big guy. Um, and then he died. But, like, anyone who saw him like even people who went to the clubs like and I've made a couple of friends audience members and the way they speak about it I'm like yo dude this guy was like the shit so those kind of things are cool I think comic, comics when to come and go comedy stays but it's just like everybody you want to kind of put your Lego piece to the bigger picture you know that's nice like we we is weird we need each other for our industry or comedians. Like it's I, when I see some comedians with stupid like arguments or beefing, I'm like, but you so need you need each other. Like this whole thing needs each other.
0: So one day a kid in Durban stealing your DVD from Blockbuster Video. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, it sucks Actually, I must actually check in my mom's place. I think there's a lot of them there. All, <laughs> well, all not in their original covers. Cause like when you rent, when you rent, they don't put the original cover. They don't give oh, you the original. You got the
0: blockbuster covers. Yeah. <laughs> you need to throw them away and put them in one of those briefcases with all the compartments. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Thanks
1: so much, dude.
0: So that was Robbie. Hugely grateful to him for coming along. I hope he's uh, safe and well and isolated wherever he is. Um, And just what a, what a, oh, I love it. I love it. What a great interview. I don't mean a great interview. What a great conversation. Like he, I love all that sort of obsession. I love the, when people are kind of self-taught students of comedy, like not just doing comedy, but really a student of comedy. That really speaks to me. Um, And just, oh man. Yeah, great. Well, that was a good one, wasn't it? And it was really nice. So just the idea as well of, of recognising that comedy and, and mental health issues, challenges, can be parallel and lifestyles and recognising that lifestyle and, and recognising the link between them and needing to chat to other comedians to feel less alone and recognising that that isn't necessarily helpful so just loads of loads of great stuff there I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did thank you to Robbie for being on the show Uh, that one was recorded at a big posh hotel in the heart of Cape Town so I don't need to thank anyone officially for that but I will thank podcast consultant Peter Dobbing Rob Smouten for the music producer Nathan Wood who is doing great guns with ancient and creaking tech at the moment if you are in or near Newcastle where Nathan lives and you have a spare Windows laptop or PC that you could loan him short term, well, maybe for the duration of the pandemic before he can get his actual stuff fixed, um, then the podcast would be in your debt. So if you are in or near Newcastle and have a Windows laptop or PC to lend, uh, give me a shout, info at com. I shall hook you up with Nathan and you can do some sort of absurd leaving it in a safe in the street for 24 hours <laughs> and then he can collect it or whatever that thing is you can organize between you but we'd be uh he and particularly i would be enormously grateful for that because his work is absolutely vital to the uh, continuing production of the podcast so that's all of that we'll have a very quick postamble, but i've been absolutely hammering it all day i, I have you finding this I'm, I've never been busier. <laughs> I've never been busier. I'm always online and everyone knows I'm always available and it's killing me. And um, we'll get into that in the postamble. But for now, thank you to Robbie. Thanks to you for listening. Remember, comedianscomedian.com slash insiders to join the Insiders Club, slash speak in order to leave a two-minute message that I can uh, use on a, on a future podcast, and slash lunch in order to book a working lunch. Thank you, all of you, at ComComPod on socials if you would like to speak to me via those and watch this space. Uh, Join the Facebook group for more online jiggery-pokery as we try to work out, and it really did, the chat show. It's still up there. We've left the video up there. If you've not seen it, fill your boots because that has got a lot of potential and I basically get to be Kermit in The Muppet Show, which is all I think I've ever wanted. Bye for now. So listen, this will be a hyper speed postamble because honestly, I've never been so busy. I'm sitting here at this homemade desk with two composite decking planks, literally parcel taped together. One of them is balanced on a tub, a a hermetically sealed tub with a PlayStation in it. Ha! A very different lockdown it would be if I didn't have uh, children. Um, And uh, that's on a stool. And then on the other side of me is a, I might post a picture of this. Um, I've got like an Ikea uh, what is it, like a sort of almost a, a laundry chest that's full of books that will never be read again. And I don't know why we've still got them, but I have to move it back and forth every night to get into bed. And then two shoe boxes and a copy of a sort of Alan Moore retrospective holding up. And I, I did it with a spirit level. It's a great desk. My laptop itself is balanced on two copies of, uh, what are they called? Um, uh, uh, Svar and Trondheim's Dungeon Comics, uh, two episodes the main zenith mini series and uh, the one with, uh, I can't remember what it's called, duck, duck Hunt. I don't want to lift the mic in case it falls over. Um, but so that's balancing to help the fan on my MacBook. Uh, because it's a MacBook Pro from 2017, it's got two USB-C ports and nothing else. So I've got numerous plugins. I've got my Rode shotgun mic. I don't know why I'm naming the This stuff here Um, I've got my wife's Dell monitor that I've recently hooked up using a VGA to USB-C cable and that's a life changer oh my god and I've got my Zoom H6 that is all plugged in I'm covered in wires and cables and I'm looking out the window and I'm starting to think if I move the chat show, if I make it regularly twice a, a week as I would like to, I'm going to need a permanent setup. I can't keep lugging this up and down two flights of stairs. We live in a squeezy house on a hill, so we're on three three floors. It's a narrow, tall house. And I think I'm going to have to rig it all in the cellar where there's no natural light because it's pretty much the only place I could leave it where uh, it would be uh, it kind of you know, that'd be an acceptable sound quality, but it's so dark. Anyway, there's all of that. Here's a couple of emails people sent me. Yucca said this to me. Uh, yucca or Jocker? I'm going with Yucca. I started to listen to the podcast with the same exception expectation that you started to make it. Learn how comedy is written. I'm following your large footsteps through the scary forest. I think I can already see the lantern you're carrying. Turns out I'm also touched by your humanity, not only comedy. Well, thank you, Yuka, but you I protest too much. I shouldn't have read that last bit out. I, I normally cut out bits like that, but thank you. But um, following the large footsteps through the scary forest, I love a bit of that. Um, I'm going to reiterate a little message. Oh, someone called me. Do you remember? I was so touched a couple of years ago. Someone gave me a thank you card with cash from their first ever paid gig in it, saying that I was the big brother of all open spots. <laughs> have I mentioned that before? I love that. I mean... Maybe I don't want to be that forever, but it's lovely to be that right now. Um, it's lovely to be that in addition to some other things. Um, but also someone said that I was a sort of digital godfather or something like that. All, all of these things I absolutely love. And I, I honestly, I'm just feeling so uh, looked after by the community. And I hope I'm giving enough back because everyone is crowding round and just being so positive and uh, benevolent to one another, and as I said earlier on, this thing about the chat show making a thing happen where the whole point of the game is giving back to the people who are in it—I'm just finding it extraordinarily exciting. And just by way of uh, uh, balancing things out, I'm just going to repeat our anonymous police sergeant who um, <clears throat> who gave these these bits of advice. Um, so that it's not all just about me basking in uh, in this wonderful community that uh, that you're all part of, whether you like it or not. Um, But also, so this is our anonymous police sergeant listener says, remember, don't panic buy. If you pay cleaners or nannies or other people cash in hand for regular work and they no longer work for you because of isolation, consider continuing to pay them. You're essentially their employer and they will have little or no income. Stop congregating outdoors in large groups and really stop panic buying. There are enough loo rolls for everyone if we all buy normally. That's the only mention of the the thing we're going to do today. And um, I've just been invited by the Boutros to play Murder in the Dark. He has been very, very conscientiously letting me record and get on with stuff for the last four and a half hours. So this postamble is now curtailed. Thanks for listening. Uh, Send me your messages. Book me for a lunch date. uh, Do all of that stuff. And look forward to an episode next week with the fabulous Scott Bennett. Uh, Check out Scott Bennett on the socials and uh, enjoy everything that he is doing in the privacy of his shed. Bye for now.